Well, good morning. Well, I tell you what, that's certainly a fantastic way to open our service. Thank you, Andrew and team, so much for leading us in worship uh, this morning. So uh, it's already been said several times, but let me just say it one more time. Isn't it awesome that we're at the end of 2015, the last Sunday of the year? And indeed, uh, we have so much, so much to be grateful for. And I trust and pray that your Christmas was a time of rejoicing and fellowship and time with family. And just praise the Lord that again, we're able to come together in his house and thank him for all that he's done, all that he is doing, all that he will do. As we've led up uh, to Christmas this year, our church has walked through a series of messages on reclaiming Christmas, the guiding light for the Advent season. And indeed, that has been a very appropriate theme and, and topic of focus for us. We've talked about the meaning of Advent and that Advent has two great poles to it. On one hand, you have the fact that Christ has come, Emmanuel, God with us. And indeed, on December 25th of every year, we take that time out to just acknowledge that God has come. He sent his son to save us from our sins. Amen. Praise God for that. Likewise, as Christ has come, he's anticipated to return again, his second coming, the second advent. And I tell you what, just in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, even right now, Christ could return again. I know that I'm looking just so forward to his coming again, but yet there's this space between those two events. And that's really what I want to speak to this morning is between those two great poles of Christ coming and Christ coming again, what are we, the citizens of the kingdom of God, what are we to do? And because Christ said in Mark 1.15, that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, it really is another way of talking about the kingdom of heaven. And for believers, for believers, we have this profound sense that in between the times, we are called to be faithful stewards faithful servants of what all the Lord has given to us. You know, Jesus put it this way, that our focus should be that we should love God with all our heart. And likewise, we to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I think that's important for us to understand as we, we talk through this message this morning, that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And as citizens... We have a mandate from our commander-in-chief to follow the words and the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be totally committed to what God has put before us to do. Now, I would imagine that there are some history buffs out there, right? Amen. You know, and, and then back in the, uh, the early uh, time of our nation's founding, there was a Spanish conquistador. His name was Hernandez Cortez. And Cortez sailed from Spain in 1519 in search of treasures here in the promised land. He was looking at, as he, as he sailed from Spain, 
He landed at the Yucatan Peninsula in, in Mexico. He had 11 ships, 500 crew. 11 ships and 500 men on those ships. Now, Cortez was totally committed to the task that he had at hand. He was so committed that as the men left their ships, he gave the command for them to burn the ships. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine looking back into the harbor and see those ships at sea on fire? That was their only way home. And as a result of that single act, each of those men were committed to the task at hand. They had a burn the ships mentality. And I would challenge you this morning. Likewise, when it comes to following the commands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we need to have a burn the ships type of mentality. Amen. Amen. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the book of Matthew. When we look at the four Gospels, the book of Matthew is primarily focused on the kingship of Jesus Christ. It, it has as its beginning uh, a look at the Advent season of Christ, Christ coming to us. So it presents to us the Advent and the coming of our King. It closes with his death and his resurrection and his commandment to us that we are to join in the Great Commission, that we are to go into all the earth, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we, as we look at that this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter 13 in Matthew's gospel. And we're going to take a look specifically at verses 44 through 47. For those of you that are using the pews, the Bibles in your pews this morning, it's found on page 819. Now, as I get started, let me just kind of set the stage for how Matthew's gospel is structured. As I said earlier, there, Matthew starts with the Advent and he closes with the, uh, the challenge that God has given to us to go ye into all the earth. Now, in between, there are five great movements that Matthew tracks for us. And it's interesting, as we take a look at each of those great movements of thought, God, Christ would end each movement with the following words. He would say, when Jesus had finished saying these things, when Jesus had finished saying these things. And the implications are clear. Here are the implications. Jesus said these things so that we would hear them and that we would do them. Kingdom living is about a life of obedience. Kingdom living is about a life of obedience. There's another interesting aspect of Matthew's gospel as well. Jesus used as one of his primary teaching tools, parables. Now, as we all know, parables are just simple stories that present a heavenly truth. Simple stories, very profound in their meanings. In chapter 13, where we're going to be looking this morning, Jesus opens up that chapter with a parable about the sower. And there's an interesting discourse that happens between Jesus and his disciples after he presents that parable. It starts in verse 10, and the disciples very quizzically ask Christ, they said, Lord, 
why do you speak to the people in parables? Now, that's an interesting question, don't you think? It's a very interesting question because parables are simple stories, right? Anybody could get the, the meaning of a parable, right? But yet, Jesus was using this tool as a very specific measure of impacting spiritual truth to the citizens of the kingdom. So Jesus answers their question. He picks it up in verse 11 and listen to what Jesus says. I'm going to read that for us this morning. He says, he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Citizens of the kingdom, the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has been given more, and they will have an abundance. But whoever does not, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and they may hear with their ears, and they may understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets... And righteous people long to see what you have seen, but do not see it, and hear what you have heard, but do not hear it. This is kingdom language. And when Jesus speaks in parables, citizens of the kingdom of heaven must listen. The spiritual truth that Jesus is speaking is for our ears only. We must hear and we must obey. And please understand, we're not saying that the words are not easy to understand or that someone could not have some level of understanding. I mean, you could use the rules of grammar and the understanding of the definitions of words, and you could put together a kind of an overview of what this story is about. But there's a deep and abiding spiritual truth inside of these parables that's intended for the ears of, of the citizens of kingdom living only. It is through the spirit of God that these words take on that spiritual truth that's intended for our ears only. So, so with that in mind, let me just quickly summarize that Matthew's story is about the coming and the return of the king. Matthew's story is about instructions from the king concerning citizens of, do, of, of the kingdom and what they should do and what they should be about until he returns. Matthew's story contains life-changing truth that is, the, again, for the ears of kingdom citizens only. But Matthew's story requires that we obey the command of our king. In other words, citizens of heaven must have a burn the ships type of mentality. We need to obey the words of our king. Amen? 
So let me look again, our passage this morning, Matthew 13, 44 through 47. Hear the words of your king. The kingdom of heaven is like treasures hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and brought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and brought it. Now, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. These are the words of God. Be ye doers of the word, and hearers not only. So what is the kingdom of God, God heaven like? Well, first of all, the kingdom of heaven is like understanding that the, that the gift of salvation is the greatest gift of all, and that we are to value that gift like none other. It's the greatest gift of all time. Uh, look again at the parable. We have the treasure hunter who sold all the treasures. We have the business per person who gave up all his possessions. We have the fisherman who started a new profession. Each one of these individuals is marked by a commitment to give up everything that was in their lives previously, to burn all of their desires for the hope of following Christ. There is no doubt what was important in their lives. There's no doubt the purpose that we are to live each and every day for our Lord. And there's no doubt that we have to have total alignment to the goals and the aspirations of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he said, he summarized this in a very special way. In Matthew 7:20, Jesus said, you shall know them by the fruit they bear. You know, as, as I take a look back on Christmas of 2015, I have to ask myself, when I look at my actions, when I look at the things that I've done and the things that I think about doing, would those things give, beyond a shadow of a doubt, evidence that indeed I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? You know, the Christmas, doesn't it seem like the Christmas holidays go on forever? You know, the retailers seem to start bombarding us with, with the advertisements to buy Christmas gifts earlier and earlier and earlier every year. Don't you get that impression? Well, just in case you know, just in case you need to know this, there's only 354 more days left until Christmas 2016. So at the end of the service, you need to get out these doors and you need to hit the streets and make sure you get that gift that you just need above all everything else. But seriously, as we take a look at the Christmas shopping season, there is no doubt that there's a burn the ships type of mentality in the retail industry. Those guys are serious. It is estimated, now check these numbers out, it is estimated that this year, Americans will spend almost $600 billion on Christmas gifts. That's a staggering number. $600 billion. Now, just as a point of comparison, when you take a look in 2014, that Americans gave 
$358.38 billion to charitable organizations. All right? $600 billion to buy Christmas gifts, $358 billion to charitable organizations. Now, of that $358 billion, you guys are catching on these numbers, $358 billion, $115 billion went to religious organizations. $115. $600 billion on gifts, $115 billion to religious organizations. That's five times more on gifts than to support religious organizations in the United States. There are 300,000 churches in the U.S., okay? If you took the difference between that 600 billion and 115 billion, that's about 500 billion dollars, and divided it up among those 300,000 churches in America, every church in America would see their annual budget increase by at least $1.6 million. Could you imagine what we could do with $1.6 million extra? Amen. Now, money isn't everything, and, and I certainly step back and I praise God for the generosity of West Park Baptist Church. We'll speak more to that later. But could you imagine, even for a church as generous in its giving as West Park Baptist Church, $1.6 million would go a long ways. But here's the key. Only people who have exchanged everything, who have exchanged everything for the gift of beyond measure would have that sort of mentality, that would be willing to allow whatever God places in their hands to flow through build the kingdom of heaven. It takes that type of transformation. It also takes the understanding that everything we have in life on this earth is temporary. It's all passing away. But what did the apostle Paul tell us in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter? I love these words. Listen at what Paul says. He says, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, I tell you what, we ought to have glory hallelujah time over that. I mean, you think about all the issues that we so often struggle with on this side of heaven, the ups and the downs of life. Just hold on, because there's glory that's awaiting you on the other side. So just praise God for that. I, I just, and again, that is a truth that's only made real to us through the work of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Now, I'm going to read those words again because I just think they're so wonderful and they're, they're words that we should hold on to. As it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Praise God for that. Well, not only is the kingdom of heaven like those who understand that the value of the gift of salvation is above all, they, they also understand these citizens of the kingdom of heaven, they also understand that we are to seek the good of the earth. The parables that we just read present a story about getting the one great gift. It's about getting the one great gift. 
But you know something? Here's a very interesting mystery and beauty of this gift. It's not a gift that we just get and we just keep it to ourselves. It's a gift that we get to give away. You know, it's not like the man, the other parable Christ taught about, about the rich man who had an abundance of wealth. And when he had his abundance of wealth, what did he do? He tore down his many barns and he built other barns, greater and bigger barns, to hold his wealth. No, our mentality is not that. It's not about a give, a get, a give to get. It's about giving it away. And it's about understanding that as we are blessed, we are to bless others. Now, one of the great ways that we bless others and bless the earth is to recognize that this is still our Father's world. Satan may reign in the darkness of this earth, but as Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that dwell within it. This is still our Father's house. Satan reigns in darkness, but God rules in the light. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, he said, you are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill which cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, transformation of a life saved through the, the offering of Jesus Christ leads to one having a desire to share that love with the rest of the world. And so we need to shine this light. And we need to, to look at the example that God himself has set for us in Scripture. You look at the challenge that God gave to Abraham back in the book of Genesis. God told Abraham, he said, I will make of you a great nation. And out of your greatness, you will bless the rest of the nations of the earth. Ultimately, that blessing would manifest itself in Jesus Christ coming into the world. It's for Jesus is the heart of the gospel message. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And we must take part as believers, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, of sharing that love of Christ to all the world. We must actively, as Christians, participate in that great challenge of blessing the world spiritually. But it's not just about the spiritual blessing that we are to give to the world. We also need to bless the world in tangible ways as well. And this was a challenge that God gave to Israel. And what was really interesting about God's challenge to Israel, it was not only that Israel would be a blessing to the world during the good times, but also during the bad, especially over the course of time when due to their unbelief and their evil practices, God's punishment would come upon them and he would disperse them out of their nation, out of the promised land. But I, and I love what God said to us in the, in the book of Jeremiah. Through Jeremiah, he says in chapter 29, 
at verse four. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He said, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give to your, your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. They may multiply there and do not decrease. Look at, listen at verse seven. Listen at verse seven. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. He commanded them to build houses, plant gardens, have families, seek the welfare of the city where you live. That's the mentality we need to have as we take the love of Christ to our communities around us. Well, how do we work? How do we seek the welfare of those around us? Well, remain industrious, work hard. You know, beloved, there ought not be any better workers in the workforce than Christian workers. Amen? I mean, we should be uh, held in such high esteem that employers are to be bidding the highest dollars for our efforts. We need to set the gold standard when it comes to valuable employees. And you know, it's so easy at times to get caught up with the ups and downs that our jobs may have or whatever occupation we may find ourselves in. And it may be easy to get caught up with the flow as people bemoan their situations. But you know, there ought to be a joy in our step because every opportunity we find ourselves in, no matter where we find ourselves, we have a unique opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ. That's what's to motivate us. That smile that's on our face comes from a deep and abiding truth that we are here on earth as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That should give us a joy. There ought not be any better workers in the workforce than Christian workers. Well, how do we continue to seek the welfare? Well, we need to work for the betterment of all the citizens of our community all the citizens in our communities. We need to work for the betterment of all. We should never have it said of our churches that we don't have a deep and abiding concern for the communities that we find ourselves planted. This is our Jerusalem. This is the area that God has given us to work. The harvest is indeed plentiful. Sometimes, sadly, the workers are few. But you know, I praise God for the work that West Park is engaged with through extending the blessings God has given to us, to those that are around us. And I'm convinced that as we continue to serve him and to have that heart of generosity, God will bless our church even more. You know, this is not about giving to get. But it is about understanding that unto whom much is given, what? Much is required. And indeed, the Lord has given us much. You know, uh, just the other day, we had a group from our church go and serve a full meal down at the Knoxville Area Rescue Mission downtown. 
And it was just a wonderful thing to see all of these volunteers led by Scott and Jane Akella, to see them come together in that spirit of, of wanting to serve and to give, especially to people that for whatever reason find themselves at a point in life where things aren't going well. But to, to, to have a group of people there with a smile on their face and, and a desire to treat them with the dignity and respect that they should each have as standard bearers of the image of God. I, you know, I just saw that it just made an impact in the lives of the people that we serve. It's that kind of spirit that we need to continue to cultivate and have more of here at West Park. And I just praise God that I see it just oozing out of you guys. I see it oozing out of you right now. I just know there's an excitement in our church because we're going to grab hold of that challenge of blessing our community. Well, how else do we show welfare to our community? Here's one other point that I want to lead you, leave you with. It's a point that sadly I think often gets overlooked because we get too busy in our daily lives. And here it is. We ought to be a praying people. It ought to be said of us that when it comes to how we interact with one another, how we think about our community, and how we talk to our Lord, that we are a people of prayer. We need to continue to pray in big groups. We need to pray individually. We need to pray in small groups. We just need to continue to pray. You want to have a lasting impact in 2016, here's a thought for you. Go home and pray about joining one of the many prayer groups that we have here at West Park Baptist Church. We should never be guilty of the sin that we receive not because we ask not. We receive not because we ask not. Let's continue to go to the Lord in prayer. Amen? Amen. So not only is the kingdom of heaven like those who understand the value of the gift of salvation, and not only do we understand that we need to seek the good of our community, but we also understand that we ought to be part of God's drawing of the loss to himself. We ought to be part of seeking the salvation of lost souls. As I look back on our scripture reading for this morning, and I look at those first two aspects of the parables, you know, it really speaks to the fact that we indeed, each individual, first, we need to make sure about our own salvation. But that third aspect of the parable really kind of intrigues me and draws me in. In verse 47, let me read that again. It says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake, and it caught all kinds of fish. Kingdom of heaven citizens are directly concerned about the addition of others to the kingdom. In fact, this work should take priority over everything else we do in life. There is nothing else more important but to make sure that we are participating actively in God's work and effort to reach the laws. We should let our careers sidetrack us from those goals. We should let the desire to give our kids the very best that they can have in this life detract us from that goal. 
We should not let the political pundits or the cares of this life detract us from the goal that we are here as citizens of the kingdom to join in with the great commission of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our commander-in-chief, to go out there and be part of the process of seeking and saving the lost. We ought to grab hold of that, and that needs to be part of our heartbeat of our lives. Nothing should be more important than seeking the salvation of the lost. In the parable, they sold all that they had. He cast the net into the sea. And, you know, and I think if you read that parable and you don't walk away with the importance of that meaning, maybe you need to go back and reread it again. Reread it and meditate and ask the Spirit of God to open your heart, to open your eyes, that you may understand what he's really commanding you to do. And once you do, proceed to cast the net. So what is the kingdom of heaven like as I kind of wrap this up? Uh, it's about the single gift that is more important than anything else, salvation. It's about sharing of God's blessings to others. We are to bless and seek the welfare of the city. It's about seeking the salvation of the lost. We need to cast the net. In just a few moments, Pastor Sam's going to come, and he's going to lead us through the participation of, of, of sharing the Lord's Supper together. What a beautiful time in the life of the body of Christ as we recognize what Christ has done for us. And as we think about that challenge of bringing others to the table, there's going to be a great feast that's going to take place that has never been seen before. Nothing that we could even imagine is going to look like that feast that we all get to participate in. But sadly, there's some of us that won't because we haven't grabbed that gift of great price. Let me just close by looking at the, the closing verses that Jesus gives to these parables. It starts in verse 48. Listen to these sobering words. They just grip my heart. And, and I'm saddened when I read these. He picks back up in verse 48, and he's talking about the net. He says, net, net, when it was filled, the net was filled, and they drew it up on the beach, and they sat down, and they gathered the goods into vessels, but the bad they cast away. And so shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come and sever the wicked from among the righteous, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. And there will be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Aren't those just sobering words? But yet there's a great hope. There's a great hope because we are the light that stands on the hill so that the, the world, a dark and dying world, can see the light and the love of Jesus Christ. And as citizens of the kingdom, each of you have been challenged to grab hold of that light in any place that you find yourself so that you can share it it's about right now, right here, just as we have this table before us. Right now, right here, we have an opportunity 
as citizens of the kingdom of heaven to demonstrate to the world what heaven is like through how we live our lives. So Pastor Sam's going to come. And I'm just thankful for this morning.